Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at BetBrights. Myself, Dean Ryan, and BetBright Towers, joined by Dermot Nolan. Hi, Dean. Good to have you, Dermot. Uh, Don McLean is here. Hi, Dean. And Nick, yeah, thanks, Don. And it's uh, Nick Luck is back in the UK. Uh, how are you, Nick? I'm very well. Very well indeed. Good to, good to join you again. Thanks very much. Now, of course, we were treated to a fantastic weekend of racing last weekend. Uh, we've got to kick off with the big one, of course. We did suggest it was a two-horse race, enable against Sea of Class, of course, and we got treated to uh, an arc for the ages and a lot of, I would say, controversy, perhaps maybe misguided, but we'll find out what the panel think here on how James Doyle went about riding uh, the eventual second Sea of Class. Uh, I might come to Nick first. What did you make of the race as a spectacle? And what did you consider um, to be the main talking point coming out of the race about the ride from James Doyle on the second? Or should we focus on Enable? Nick, over to you. A good spectacle in the finish, for sure. Great winner in Enable. Brilliant training performance. Offered difficult preparation, though obviously we didn't know about that between Kempton and the Ark, which is another talking point, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, as regards the spectacle through the race, I thought, hand out mainly more fairly than most arts do uh, in terms of the traffic particularly given what happened in some of the races later in the day I thought the surface looked strange there was an awful lot of certain sand being kicked up on track that was essentially good which wasn't really satisfactory for top class race but that's a side point uh, the main point is two brilliant fillies should be if class have beaten and able she probably should have done I suppose um Am I going to throw James Doyle under the bus? No, I'm not, uh, because that's the way he's told to rider. And um, that said, I do think the debate is perfectly worthwhile. Yes, he's been absolutely brilliant this season. And yes, I, I myself wrote a piece in the Racing Post about how brilliant he's been this season just the other day. But the fact that he's been brilliant this season and the fact that he's an extremely nice guy uh, do not preclude a reasoned debate as to as to whether Sea of Class might have won had she been given a different right, which is a perfectly reasonable debate to have, whichever side of the fence you sit on. It's just unfortunate that the age of social media is actually so polar, polarised that you either have to think it was a brilliant ride or a shocking ride. And the truth of it is, the answer is probably neither of those two. Uh, she's a brilliant silly, that's for sure. Um, and I can't wait to see her again next year. I think that's pretty fair. Demo, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's very fair. Um, if you, again, as James always said himself, and at the races, you run that race a hundred times, he's not going to get those gaps. They had to make a decision. What do they do? So they obviously had the choice: do they try to bustle up early, get into midfield, and try and run on from there, or does he sit in? He made his choice. They made their decision. Obviously, Maureen Haggis mentioned that she uh, she rang her father, Lester Piggott, and he recommended just just to keep riding the horse the way that they have been riding it to massive success. We're not talking a length here or half a length, you know, we're talking the smallest distance that a race can be won by, which makes it all the more agonizing for connections, obviously. But I just, I don't see, I thought the race unfolded as perfectly with those tactics as it possibly could have. I thought James Doyle wouldn't have just went out ad hoc, I can't believe, and just uh, decided himself that that's what he was going to do. I'd imagine that was team tactics. He said himself that he wanted to follow Q Gardens and that Q Gardens just didn't carry him anywhere. Q Gardens just died a death. So he kind of had nothing to bring him through because obviously being a, a horse coming off the pace, you you want to have something even bringing you half the way there. But the race was a brilliant spectacle. What's been lost, and this is small, but as well, Dean, is that I don't think James Doyle myself, first of all, did anything wrong. But what's also been lost to a tiny degree has been 
Frankie was outstanding as well. You know, Frankie kicked at the perfect time. Yes, he, he had a much easier draw. Everything was easier for him. But still, he picked his moment to perfection. And you can see that when C-Class kicks, Enable also kicks as well at the, pretty much the exact same moment. So to a degree, Frankie rather nullified James Dyle. And it was a fantastic ride. But it's just one of those races. It's one of those things in racing. And I, I think uh, James Dyle won't be much the worse for it we were treated Don to an absolute fantastic spectacle certainly in the finish as as Nick kind of highlighted um, wh- where do you stand on it the, the best horse win the race do, should we give Enable more credit perhaps that it's gone and done it again off not an ideal preparation yeah look I, I think Enable deserves all the credit she's getting and she is getting yeah. all the credit she's due I think um, it's a, it, it was an unbelievable performance training performance by John Goslin first of all to get the horse at that, the level at which she can win another arc as a four-year-old this year giving away weight as opposed to last year a three-year-old getting weight uh, off the back of one prep run which was four weeks before her date with Destiny which was an all-weather that was her first run on turf since last year at Shantee so all of that I mean uh, look it, it may not have been a vintage renewal of the arc but still to go back and win it again just the second horse since alleged in 1978 to win two of them phenomenal and, and it'd be great if she could go and, and hopefully go and try and win three on the James Doyle ride look she's she's beaten a short neck connections are going to be gutted James Doyle is going to be gutted you could see it and you know after a race has been run you see where where, where could that short neck have been gained of course you can you can argue that if he'd done something differently he would have gained that short neck um, it is hard sitting last in an arc to come through the field and win it we know that from statistically but we don't know how much energy James Doyle conserved by sitting last as opposed to trying to gain a position maybe behind in, in rear of mid-division like Cloth of Stars was like Volkeist was like th- those two came from the rear the pace was strong we knew the pace was going to be strong and I'm sure that was part of James Doyle and, and William Haggis's and, and the Choi family's decision was, that was part of their decision to hold her up Not you know, as well as the fact that she's a hold up filly that's the way she has been ridden why are you going to change tactics on a filly who's, who's won a, a Yorkshire Oaks and has won an Irish Oaks with those tactics um, maybe you can modify them a wee bit and you know you can argue if he had tried to gain a position in rear as opposed to at the back maybe that would have found the short night by which he was beaten but you know the other side is as, as, as Dermot says she got the gaps if you look back on the replay she, there was one point where if James Doyle had waited another stride and a half for a gap on the right he would have got it but he came to his left and the horse moved a wee bit to the left and that maybe caused caused him a short head or a head and and that's you know if he got up and won by a short neck it would have been acclaimed as the ride of the season unquestionably in the arc with all the pressure and all the build up and all that was at, at stake to come from the rear and get up he failed by he, he came up short by a short neck it's it's heartbreaking for connections but given the the information that they had at the start of the race i i have no issue at all with the way that that james Earl rode the race Okay, thanks, Don. Uh, Nick, I just wanted to ask you about Frankie Latore. We talked a lot about James Doyle there. Frankie Latore, at this stage of his career, you could be forgiven for thinking he was uh, entitled to be on the way out, not capable of, of delivering these kind of massive days. But he seems to be a man, I think, as John Gosling alluded to after the race was run, that rides seemingly at a level others can't maybe get to in these big days is he just this big game player now Frankie or is he still I mean where do you stand on Frankie Latore as I say he could entitled to be on the way out but he's nowhere near that 
No, and he's physically clearly in very good shape as well. So I think he'll kick on until he's beyond 50. And why not? You know, jockeys in a bygone era did, as a matter of course, and they're a lot fitter and a lot more spry now than they were perhaps 20 or 30 years ago. I think the remarkable achievement is that he was riding in his 30th half. <laughs> 30th. And bear in mind the one he missed was when he would have ridden Trev for victory. Uh, the first Trev arc, he missed with a broken ankle, and that was when he was coming back in Alcha Cab through in that lifeline. 30 arc, that is quite extraordinary. Quite and, and, extraordinary. and six wins, a strike rate of 20% in, in the arc to Trev. <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. Very different horses as well. Uh, spanning the ages Lamsara his first one 1995 you know, 23 years ago and he he looked every bit as good on the big day he's tactically brilliant he's always ridden Longchamp fantastically well he was one of the first British base jockeys really to master the art of riding in France because his judgment of pace tutored by Angel Cordero and others has been so superior to most of his weighing room colleagues for so long and that suits some of the way that the French races were run. He always seems to be in the right place in the race. He was again on Sunday. And yes, he's been lucky. He's been lucky first that Al Shakab came along to offer him that retainer when he, he lost to John Godolphin and then he had a suspension. And then uh, he was lucky that John Gosden needed a stable jockey at exactly the right time. But his yard was going from being one of the most dominant yards in the country to the most dominant yard in the country. That's probably the most dominant concentrated squad of horses that there's been here for many 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 decades so you know, yeah he's been lucky but he's, he's still got all the talent and uh, he, there's no one you'd rather have on your side on a, on a, on a big day on the biggest occasion and it's amazing that's still the case with Frankie Latore. I mean, it's, he's someone as well, and I might just leave it at this point, that racing really needs. You need characters that can transcend from the back pages to the front pages sometimes or from you know a little slot on a terrible sports-related programme to actually making the you know the main news of the evening. And Frankie Latore does that. Yeah. It doesn't matter what he rides. If he wins, people say Frankie Latore, and they love that. Well, that's an interesting argument, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's necessarily the case anymore. Insofar as in, you know, 1996 when he rode all seven winners in a day and he was presenting top of the pops the following week. Yeah. Everyone in the country knew who Frankie Dettori was. He got pizza chain out of it and ice cream and God knows what else. Now I'd say anyone under the age of 30, he's probably not that well known. He's probably not as well known as once he was. But yes, he is still important to racing, and yes, he is he is a massively significant force within it. Agreed. I, I hope he sticks around for a, a good bit longer. Let's move on to the um, Abbey, just because Don gave Matt, the eventual winner, Mabs Cross, a really good shout. Well, this is again. embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't back her. Okay, uh, Don. No, um, the draw. We, we didn't know the draw when we spoke last. I no, think, we we're, I think we're better off not knowing the draw. <laughs> yeah, I just thought you can't win an Abbey from stall 13 or 14. And yeah, well, apparently you can. And uh Gerald Mosse again we're, we're into riders again he was super, like he just just waited they went fast up front he waited with her I mean that's the way she's ridden anyway um, he's just he's just riding out of his skin this year and look he's a top class rider but this year maybe because he's in Britain now and we get to see him more but he's a super rider and he gave her a lovely ride he just got there again but he, he won by he got her up to win by a cosy head and brilliant for Michael Dodds and for the filly herself after going so close and a Nunthorpe to come back and win an Abbey absolutely and it, it, it's the, the sprinting scene it's so it's all over the place, isn't it? Like we, yeah. have, I don't think there's been one horse has won more than one Group One race this season. 
Yeah. Uh, and even even Batash hasn't won a Group One. He's won two Group Twos. Yeah, it's so, remarkable. Uh, it's it's hard to know where the Champion Sprinter Crown is going to go, but uh, maybe maybe Ascot will sort it out on, on on Champions Day, the Sprint Stakes there. But no, brilliant for her and and Soldiers Call as well. Ran a ran a massive race for a juvenile to finish third. Yeah, we should mention that. I mean, Nick, that was a big run from Soldiers Call, wasn't it? Taking advantage of the two-year-old um, leeway that they get in a race like that. You don't see it too often. I mean, they do get so much weight, given the way that he won the Flying Childers. He was entitled to be on the premises in receipt of that much weight. Looks to me as though he's a perfect candidate for that new juvenile sprint race at the Breeders' Cup if they want to go that way. They've yeah. mentioned it. Um, yeah, really good, fast two-year-old and another feather in the cap for, for Archie Watson. Brilliant for Mads Cross. So quite how John had any idea how Gerard Mosse, um wrote her is, is beyond <laughs> I didn't see anything. I didn't see a thing. It is that race, I mean, isn't it? It's always it, the camera work's always been bad in the Abbey, but they've clearly missed a couple of vantage points when they built the new grandstand. You could not see a thing. The, probably the worst spectacle you could you could imagine. It it is it is strange, isn't it? Like given that it always has been thus that with the redevelopment and you know not it wasn't a greenfield site, but surely to God there could have been some foresight into putting cameras somewhere along the way to to give us a better view of such a high-profile race. It's like Tremor, isn't it? <laughs> it's like watching a race at Tremor, though. The camera you, you angle's just, nearly in front of You just don't know where the, fin- where the winning <laughs> yeah, line you just is. Don't yeah. have a clue, it's right? hard to see it. Yeah, it is a bizarre thing, Don, I have to say. And um, but we it's, all... a, it's a pity, because it's, yes. it's, such a, it's such a great race, the Abbey, and always has been. There's some such history to it, and such win- so many, such great winners. I don't know. It, 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 you don't have the, the positive view of it coming into the race because you know what viewing is going to be like you know what you're going to get yeah it, it was it, even it wasn't that clear on like i was watching from on, on the television screen um it was it wasn't a very clear day either and that didn't that's help, right but, but the uh, it's a pity you know you just you just love to get a really good view of a, of a sprint it's race. like when they have a mad mascot race on a big meeting and the camera crew have all gone for a cup of tea but someone's still there up right in the galleys that still films it for you you're like well I'm watching this and I'm not really sure why um, yeah it's bizarre but the Abbey winner Mabs Cross well done to the Dodds team um, and to everyone concerned and anything else from the rest of the race at Longshot I mean there was a there was a big win wasn't there on the Saturday for yeah. Gavin Cromwell Demo. it's a massive win for Cromwell um, he's a brilliant trainer um, like when we speak about very good trainers like the likes of Archie Watson it's it's these trainers that maximise every single thing that they have in the yard I spoke about Emmett Mullins last week I think he will be on his way to doing that at some point as well but Gavin Cromwell if he could base himself off that kind of yard I mean Juris Girl he got the absolute max out of her and now he's kicked on to Princess Yeza I mean she ran a huge race at Galway but the kick on him in a group 2 here uh, £126,000 it was worth right. it's a serious achievement and um, he's a brilliant trainer definitely as much praise as he's getting he deserves an awful lot more for what he gets out of the yard and all these raiding parties and everything else. He, he's just, he's building that yard up nicely there and um, he's definitely going places too. Yeah, big congratulations to Gavin Cromwell, of course, with Princess Yazo winning that group too. Um, we had uh, <laughs> the foray I thought was interesting because my nap ran there and it wasn't supposed to be anywhere near France. Uh, Dutch Connection finishing third in the foray. Anyone else want to pick anything out from Longshot over the two days uh, that's worth a mention at this point? Of course, there were some other great races. We focused on a couple of them. Did I mention Julio? Stelio, you should. Um, yeah, Nick, of course, I should say, gave us a shout out for a random one over there. Only because it's the only horse that managed to uh, get right over the whole weekend, I think. So, yeah, agree with that. Uh, I, on a serious point, I ought to mention Polly Dream, the unluckiest, the unluckiest ninth place finisher or whatever he was. Mm. 
during the cool weekend and uh, I think there's a there's a big group one in that horse probably not too far away okay it's some game isn't it for William Haggis when you, you you lose out by a short neck in the arc and then and two hours later you win the foray with a 33 to one shot you still get your group one winner <laughs> you still get your group one yeah um, but yeah no, it, was, it was a good day uh, like it's, it's thick and fast and Wild Illusion versus Magic Wand again yeah um that was that was big. I, I think the juvenile races would probably come up a bit short in, in terms of in terms of quality. Um, you know, there were good races and fair play to Oshin Murphy again for another Group One. This is that's the anniversary of his first Group One winner. His first Group One winner was a claim on this on that day last year in the Prix de la Forêt, and now he's ridden his is it his tenth or eleventh now? Eleventh in yeah. the Lagardère. Yeah. 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 No, he's um he's having some season, but yeah, look, it was it was a very interesting day's race, and I thought, yeah, okay, uh, let's talk about uh, Lawrence, who won again, of course, this time taking the Sun Chariot Stakes. Now it seems connections John Dance and, and Carl Burke and Co will head for the QE two against Colts, which has got to be an interesting move. They're going to supplement uh, for that next weekend. Nick, what did you make of Lawrence, and uh, what do you fancy the chances are of her competing against the the boys then possibly on Champions Day? I think she's got better, and I think she's quicker as well. I thought the key factor of her performance on Saturday, in addition to showing us what we already knew, which is that she's a very good filly who loves a straight mile, was the pace she showed in the middle of the race. Uh, mid-section of the race, she just laughed more. She looked like she was going to win by a dozen lengths at two-thirds of the way through the race, and in the end, it ended up being quite tight, and she got closed down, but she, she showed incredible pace. I think she's got quicker, and I think that straight mile at Ascot will will suit her pretty well and i can see why they want to have a go because it's not that deep a division let's face it um in terms of in terms of miling colts this year and she's entitled to have a go connections will be hoping that there isn't too much rain because even though that might suit her it'll also mean that roaring lion gets diverted to the mile race so that would be a concern because i don't see her beating roaring lion over a stiff mile but I think she's fully entitled to have a go. You agree with that, Don? I mean, it does look like she's absolutely thriving on racing. So having a go at this stage makes quite a lot of sense, I guess. Yeah, no, she does seem to take her racing well. Um, I go along with all of what Nick said. Uh, I, I thought she'd finish off her race more strongly than she did. You know, exactly as Nick said, I thought she was going to win by a couple of lengths. And that, look, Happily's tough, and she closed her down, and she, you know, she ran all the way to the line. But and, and in the end, Lauren just got up. But it's amazing. Like she's won, she won five Group Ones now, and none of them by more than three parts of a length. Like she's won by just three, that two time. short heads ahead, two necks, or something like that. <laughs> That's six. Anyway, five <laughs> or roundabout, something like that. Um, but she only just does enough, doesn't she? Like she yeah. just gets the job done. She'd win a forty-five to eighty-five <laughs> handicap the same, really. Well, she? probably. Just, like, yeah. See, parts of it is, is, the, is the longest winning margin by which she's won, which is you know for for five Group Ones and and in in all of them, like a few strides past the line, happily was past her. So I, mean, I don't know if she knows where the winning line is, or if you know she obviously Daniel Tudhope would have eased up whenever she got there. But she just seems to give her all, and then that's it. But no, I, I think why not? Flick away and and give her a shot at the QE too. Definitely, well, it's great great for us to watch that too. Happily was a pretty decent gamble as well throughout the day. I mean, mm-hmm. Happily was twenty five the day we ended up going off eights. Was it? Yeah. Um, or any huge race. Generally, the cool more money is right. 
well, money comes from one of the outsiders. They uh, they tend to know what's happening. But yeah, Dean, she's just a cracking filly. Anything Super else sad. from the um, from the week or the weekend to note, Demma? Yeah, uh, no needs never. Uh, I put him up for the red ah, card. Of course, two- of course, very good. Put him good. up for the red card two-year-old trophy, and he ended up winning uh, the listed race at Dundalk. Um, beat the well-fancied and uh, very expensive all glory, and I thought he did it in fine fashion. Um, it wasn't a smash and grab or, or anything like it. All glory. All glory as well back throughout the day came in the race and Noni's never just uh, flew by I'd love to see now what their plan is for that horse because just looks very smart really really good and a typical Noni never just a, a big strong cult and uh, over jumps because again we are approaching that time of the year I really enjoyed the beginners chase yesterday between Void the Rev and Mind's Eye mm. uh, two horses that could just be against each other during those early season novice chases and Vida Rev could leave all the, uh, all his hurdle form well behind him because I thought he jumped excellently yesterday and it's just interesting to me this year how much Willie Mullen seems to have uh, his horses out an awful lot earlier this year and a lot of his horses are peaking around now because obviously he doesn't want to let Gordon Elliott get that much of a lead anymore does he? Uh, no <laughs> well, Gordon the, the man of multiple entries bigger than we've ever seen before is going to start uh, start firing very soon and we've actually got a little bit of jumps race we might mention towards the end of this podcast um, shall we crack on then to Friday gents and uh, a bit of the new market action of course we're going to be treated to two really good days of racing so we might kick off with the 150 at new market of course is the group 3 uh, Cornwallis stakes interesting in the top of the market Carl Burke's true Mason um, who's been behind all the right types of course so far this season uh, behind Kessar last time at Newbury before that Pretty Pollyanna before that Signora Cabello um, looks to be the right type of favourite here Pocket Dynamo will go for Robert Cowan Sheen Murphy and uh, Sergei Prokofiev is in there of course if that could come back to anything like the Calix runs at Royal Ascot that'd be an interesting runner in here and well done Fox who I fancy for a race a couple of weeks ago on this podcast didn't make that engagement goes for Richard Hannon and Jim Crowley it might come to Don first on the Cornwallis uh, do we have the right favourite in True Mason Don? Yeah, he was well back the last day as well, wasn't he? Um, yeah. When Kassar beat him, but look, he's he's he's, he's decent. He obviously he got very close to Pretty Pollyanna, put Pretty Pollyanna uh, in the pre-morning, or well, close enough. Yeah. Um, but he kind of he's he's running well in defeat. With you know, it's it's for a favourite. Yeah, I'd I'd be happy enough to take him on because I, you know, I I think we're getting to know how good he is now. I I quite like your well done Fox actually, Dean. That's the one I like. Yeah, like he, he his run the last day against Soldiers Call and the Flying Childers was very good. Um, okay, he couldn't get close to Soldiers Call. He just bolted, but like he's finished third in an Abbey, albeit getting juvenile's allowance. But that's yeah. that's solid form. Um, and he just seems to have progressed all season. Uh, he won. He won well the time before. He battled on well to win a listed race at York the time before that. And I, I think five furlongs is it's it's a good you know it's his trip. He sees it out well. He's got loads of pace. Um, Sergei Prokofiev, as you say, if he came back to his best, to his kind of mid-season form, that would be very good. His Royal Ascot run was probably his best. He was just a wee bit disappointing last time. I thought yes in the Middle Park, um, and it's not that long after that. But, yeah, I, I think Well Done Fox is, is a reasonable price there. I, I like that for a bit of value in this race. Nick, I might come to you on the Cornwallis. I don't think it's a great race. I mm-hmm. think heartwarming is a big price for Frankie Dottoria. She's not had a lot of racing. Uh, it's related to the very useful heartache. who won the Queen Mary for the same connections last year. And she's bred to be pretty decent over this sort of trip. And she is. And she's progressive. That was her first run for a while back at Newbury in August. A little bit concerned we haven't seen her since. But I think connections have been keeping her for this. And I don't think she'll mind any ease in the ground either. So heartwarming for me, a bit of a price. Okay, a bit of a price there for Nick with heartwarming. Demo, final word on the Cornwallis, please. Uh, yeah, poetry for me at a small bit of a price. Eights, I think, is... Um, yeah. Do you- 
gradually improving has raced a new market before and just finding six that bit too far five here is decent and was very was very good Ashanti last time won that race with a bit of ease gets Jamie Spencer up and I think he might just be the right type that is improving because I don't know whether Sir Kai Sergei Prokhaev or whatever the hell you said in there that's killing me uh, you've had a whole season for this guy <laughs> getting get used to him he's uh, Sergei he's, just call him Sergei he's not being disgraced in group ones but it's just very hard to know now where he is at the moment so I would definitely be going with poetry then Okay, Dermot, well, I might throw to you actually on the oh so sharp stakes that comes up straight after that at Newmarket uh, on Friday. Uh, it's 2.25. Frosty at the top of the market here for Aiden O'Brien. Looked very impressive on its first run. Of course, winning a maiden at Dundalk. We've got Hidden Message in here, Angel's Hideaway. A little bit more exposed, but at a decent level. Um, I might let you go first. Uh, yeah, this, this this is a really good race, actually. I really like the look of it. Um, mm. The experience angle here, obviously, is Angel Hideaway, who's had a ferocious amount of runs, uh, seven runs now as a two-year-old but just you'd be disappointed in this renewal if uh, something didn't improve past her hidden message was very good at um at the armit but again you're just struggling to see how strong that form is um glance has experience here on new market which is obviously key but didn't run any sort of a race that day and the last time at goodwood um that was actually a very good win and of the of the the horses uh, 15 have ran since or 15 runs since and there's been five winners from that race so glance does both form but Dean yeah I am coming back to Frosty here uh, I just thought that was a serious performance at the dock she was given a rather easy time of it on debut was just good enough to pick them up and the third that day credenza has come out and won since because bar that the form has been rather untested she's actually been the only one that's ran since so okay. I think Frosty could be very good um, being a full sister to Winters obviously no harm whatsoever and um, I think she'll I think she'll take a lot of stopping here Dean Okay Frosty then for demo Nick I might come to you for this group 3 oh so sharp stakes uh, do you like the favourite or is there something else you want to take it on with? Nothing not to like about her debut particularly given the price that she went off Yeah. so yeah she deserves to be the favourite but I think Glance uh, Dermot's already mentioned the, the win at Goodwood I thought she did really well that day she was she she made a lot of the running from an unpromising draw and she she made a massive step up on her debut and she, I didn't look to me like she was doing a whole load in front either she was flicking her ears all the way up the straight she beat one of the rivals that she's going to meet in this race Sunday Star and I think they're both players I think Glance is the I think Glance is the, the key danger to uh, to Frosty and I would be uh, I would be backing her each way. I think. Okay, Nick likes uh, glance. Uh, let's talk to Don about the Oso Sharp. Where are you going? Yeah, interesting that hidden hidden message wears a hood. Uh, she was a little keen earlier in in the in the Yarmouth race early on, but she won really well. She had plenty left, um, so she'll obviously it's legitimate to expect that she's going to improve from that but look Frosty it does she's she's almost white isn't she like she's just she's just gorgeous looking Philly she was weak in the market before that the dog race she ran free and keen the whole way and um Jamie Heffernan he barely moved a muscle and she Didn't just move, yeah. just moved into contention moved away it was a seriously taking performance and then she's you know add into that she's a full sister to winter um, who was obviously according to the market expected to come on for that run so yeah like she's there's an awful lot to like about her I think 
Okay, an awful lot to like about Frosty. I thought that Mott Just uh, for Roger Varians was an interesting runner. It's got a, a bit of an old uh, mountain to climb, perhaps to reach the level that some of these are going to reach. But Roger Varian did take the race last year without in order. Hopefully he's had this one in mind. Just the penny really dropped last time from a really bad start, Beverly. I love the way he finished that race. So around 11 to 1, uh, if you're looking to take on the favourite, I might go there. Nick likes Glance and a couple of votes for Frosty. Let's move on to the next race um, on that new market card. It's the Godolphin Stud stable staff awards challenge stakes that's a group two uh nick i'll come to you first we've talked about lamato on this podcast in uh, recent weeks of course um now going back into group company after coming good at listed level last twice at newmarket in york uh, two to one favorite here um might i suggest faces a, a pretty stern task ahead of what's just done yeah, I mean, on his on his best form, he's still he's still the one to beat. Would I want to back him at fifteen to eight? No, I don't think I would. I, I've always been skeptical of this view that he needs rock hard ground as well. So I'd be looking elsewhere. I think I'd be looking to take him on at the prices. Uh, he's he's got to do a little bit more than he's done the last twice. Um, what am I going to take him on with? Well, we know quite a lot about most of these. How would I approach the race? I think I'd probably go with Dubai, who okay hasn't won for a little while, but he is quite a fast horse. He's had He's run an awful lot on ground that's probably a little bit soft for him. And I think back on a sound surface will bring about the best in him. He's, he's pretty quick at his best. This sort of trip is right. Good second in the park stakes. He'd be the one for me. Yeah, Dubai is an interesting one. That park stakes form does look very good. Mustachery, of course, uh, the winner of that, Doncaster. Don, are you with Lamato against Lamato? Yeah, I'm against Lamato, Dean. Um, I was against him last week. He didn't run. I was against him in the forehead. He didn't run in that either. Uh, so here he is again. We'll try him again. Um, look, I, I do I do love Lamato as a horse. I just, I'm just not sure he's the horse he was. I think his, his two runs since have been inconclusive. And he's kind of priced up as if he's, well, not fully back, but not far off it. Whereas I think Dubai um, is just a, a progressive horse. The Park Stakes run back over seven forms was a very, it was a very good run. He was only beaten in neck by Mustachery, as you say, Dean. He has enhanced the form since, um, as has the third old This Is Us and Dutch Connection, your old buddy. Like that, that's, that's rock, that, that looks even better now. Looks very strong. At the, at yeah. the time, yeah. Um, back, uh, over at Newmarket, uh, seven forms is his trip. He won't mind, like they're kind of currently calling it good to firm ground. That's obviously fine for him, but he does handle good ground as well. Maybe he wouldn't want soft ground, but he does handle good ground. And yeah, I, I think, um, I think, like, look, Man Cave was, was impressive in winning at Newbury last time, and I, I'd nearly rate him as a bigger danger than Lamato. Famous last words, but okay. I, I, I just think Lamato is making the market, and Dubai is a likable horse, and I, I think has been a wee bit uh, underrated by the market. Okay, demo your views. Yeah, I would fall on uh, on Dubai as well for for all the reasons that Nick added. Uh, I just think the the form and Don as well. Obviously, the the form of that last run is just huge, and I'm keen to take on Lamato as everyone else seems to be doing. Yeah, I think so. A bit of a podcast charge here for Dubai because it'd be my pick in the race. Although Zonderland is lurking there, so people who know that I like to follow horses until they uh, eventually win, <laughs> that'll happen one day for Zonderland. It might not be in that group two, uh, the three o'clock at Newmarket on Friday. Um, okay, so then we're on to the three thirty-five at Newmarket. It's a big race on the day, of course, on Friday. It's the uh, Phillies Mar, the Group One, and Hermosa here bidding to uh, well enhance Aidan O'Brien's fantastic record in the race. Anyway, Donna 
Luke O'Brien will be over to ride that. Currently the three to one favourite for the Phillies. Mar. We've got Antonio De Vega and also Shambolic, a couple of unbeaten two-year-olds in there as well for um, Rafe Beckett and John Gosden respectively. And Pretty Pollyanna is back and stepping up and trip. Don, I'll come to you first on the Phillies mile. Uh, fascinating contest. It is, yeah. Look, Hermosa's obviously improved a lot in her last couple of runs. She was a 20 to one shot in the Moidler and ran a big, big race there to finish third behind Skitter Scatter. Um, she came from the rear that day, which may have helped her a bit. Like they did go a fast pace, so uh, she stayed on well though. And then last time she won really well at Nace. Um, I, I suppose um, different tactics there as in she pressed on and she's by Galileo so the step up from seven furlongs to a mile shouldn't be a hindrance to her and she races like she'll she'll get it okay and may even improve for it. Like she she stayed on really, really well that day at Nace. So she's a she's a worthy favourite. Um I think Pretty Pollyanna is a big price though. Like people seem to have just given up on her after her last run in the Chivity Park, which um from yeah, it wasn't that bad a run. Sylvester D'Souza, I think he's been unlucky to lose the ride. Like yeah. da- Danny Tudor is like he's a I've he's he's a rider that you've always rated. He's been he's been a high class rider for a while, and he's now beginning to just click and and get the recognition that he deserves. So it's a great ride for him to pick up. I think Sylvester D'Souza was unlucky to lose it, but stepping up from six runs to a mile for Pretty Pollyanna, it's a fair step. And an Oasis Dream filly out of a Shamardown mare, you wouldn't necessarily say that uh, you know she'd be she'd be a stamina filly but she does race over six as if she'll get further and will probably improve for further definitely seven stepping into a mile it's it's an unknown but i think the unknown is allowed for in her odds she's a nine to two shot or a four to one shot which um i think that's a wee bit bigger than she should be you know you you, you wouldn't have been surprised if she was favored for this race and she she might well end up a favorite for it but i i just think that she hasn't done enough wrong to merit her her her, her price to be as big as it is yeah i'd agree with that actually don as well uh to a certain degree but the the horse i can't get away from myself is uh, zagatova um i i'm still kind of interested just in the fact that Ryan Moore did pick her last time or at least Aidan O'Brien probably pointed him him towards her and like was Antonio de Vega has been brilliant twice and as Don said Hermosa that was a very smooth win actually over Foxtrot Live at uh, at Nace uh, Paddy Toomey's um, but like Zagatova on debut has form with Antonio de Vega was just so green that she really lost her chance that day and last time Zagatova did actually bump into trouble in running and still ran a huge race to be fourth that day um, again, as we keep saying week after week, this is another test of uh, of Skitter's Catter's form. But uh, I think Zagatova at four to one, Dean, she could just be coming back and proving because we can't forget that win at Cork three runs ago over a mile. That was her best run. She's been back at seven since. By far, her best performance was that day at Cork, and she finished lame that day as well. So it could just be a case where that over time she's just coming back to her peak. So I think she's every chance today, Dean. Okay, interesting shout. And of course, I mean, you're reminding, I mentioned Hermosa could enhance the Aiden O'Brien record in here. No reason why Zagatova can't do that, of course. And Nick, uh, does Pretty Pollyanna make this a, a race that has an, an extra level of fascination? And of course, stepping up and trip. What are your views on on chances of, of Pretty Pollyanna? Well, right. She's a prize given that she really won a, a group one. But... I don't particularly like backing horses for whom this is not or hasn't been the primary target. And to my eye, she was trained for the Chibley Park. It didn't quite work out. And they're coming, wheeling back here quite quickly. Uh, jockey change or no jockey I, I prefer Antonio de Vega in this. This has been a you know, carefully plotted path to this race. 
I, I really like the way she hit the line at Goodwood. She was very strong at the finish with the prestige stake. She showed a pretty good turn of foot as well. One thing you know is she's not going to lack for stamina. And with the two O'Briens in there, you know, both of them look like stayers. I think this will be run at a pretty honest pace. I think it'll suit her. So Antonio de Vega for me. Okay, Antonio de Vega then for Nick. That's the final race we're going to talk about uh, on the Friday. Unless someone has something else from the rest, there's a glut of uh, TV action on there. I thought Breath Court was interesting in the handicap that follows uh, all those big races there on the Friday card. That one will go in the 4.10 in the Heritage handicap for Ralph Beckett and Oshin Murphy. It's around a 7-1 to one chance. It's good form on, on the Newmarket course, of course, July and Roly Mars. So I thought it was an interesting shout. Carry a little penalty there um, getting into that Heritage handicap. I'm going to take a break at this point. And what we'll do is we'll come back after that and we'll crack on, of course, to Cesarich Day at Newmarket on Saturday. Isn't it time you got your hands on the award-winning BetFinder app by BetBright? It's not like any sports app you've ever experienced. Unlike your mates, BetFinder actually does know it all. Runners, riders, results and form with key trends all at your fingertips. BetFinder puts the power in your hands to make informed choices and it's ready to go. Get stuck in with BetFinder from BetBright. BetFinder by BetBright, bringing power to your fingertips. Download the app now, available on all devices. Okay, and welcome back to the Race Hour, of course, brought to you with our friends at BetBright. Dermot Nolan, Don McLean and Nick Luck on the line with us here at BetBright Towers. Uh, let's crack on to Saturday's fair. Fantastic racing uh, to come at Newmarket. We're going to kick off uh, with the Zetland. And um, I know we're all fans here of uh, Kadar. And uh, of course, second at Haydock to Kadar was Waldstone, who's back and of interest here at the top of the market, around 9-4, to 5-2 to chance of two O'Brien runners against it. Dermot, I might go to you first on the Zetland. Yeah, that's exactly the formula I need that I go into. Uh, big fan of Waldstone and uh, I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong I just think he, he bumped into a very good horse and I think it will be a very timely um, form boost for uh, for Carl Burke's charge team. Could be Don you agree the Kadal form is the one that holds this up? Yeah look um, we, we spoke about it for quite a while the last day and yeah look, it, look you know Kadar we'll talk about him next time I'm sure um, but it's going to be very interesting to see how Wallstern goes uh, with with Kadar running then a half an hour later and it's also going to be interesting to see uh, do we have jockey bookings yet for the Edna Bryan horses Sydney Opera House in Norway yes Sydney Opera House Donica Bryan and Norway will be Shamey yeah that's interesting now I, I was kind of hoping it might be the other way around because we kind of have a good a good handle on Sydney Opera House don't we like we know that he's you know that was a big run the last day in the Royal Lodge to finish part of the 1-2-3 the Edna Bryan 1-2-3 yeah um, and Norway was just very very impressive in winning that maiden at Nace um, he's a, I think he's a full brother to ruler of the world isn't he mm. yeah, I think he is anyway like uh, so if if um, if the market or jockey bookings indicated that Norway was ahead of Sydney Opera House that would have been very interesting to see him taking on Wallstern um, but it's not surprising that Dunica is riding Sydney Opera House he's a, he's a high class colt um, he's more exposed than Wallstern obviously but you see you've got the, the proven group 2 form in, in the book versus Wallstern who will probably improve again from his Haydock run which was probably very very good for me it's, it's just an interesting race to to keep an eye on obviously with a view to the future absolutely uh, Nick quick word on the Zetland for you Wallstern is at that top of the market as we said 9-4 to four. yeah I, 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 it's not a race that I'm mad to have a bet in to be honest with you I mean I like Wallstern we talked about it last week a lot that mm. Haydock run and the, the debut performance on the July course I was really taken with but 9-4 to four is 
probably about right. I, I don't think there's an awful lot of juice in his price, but nor do I really want to take him on. So, yeah, I think he'll win, but I'll happily watch him win. OK. 30 minutes later, of course, on the same car, we get to the Autumn Stakes, the Group 3. And, uh, well, top of this market is that horse that we keep talking about on here, well, Kadar. Yeah. But it's actually got Persian King up against it this time, Andre Farb's uh, horse. So these two could be flip-flopping in that market. Nick, I'll go to you first. Well, it seems a bit churlish, doesn't it, given the fact that I liked Kadar for the middle part to now go against him in a race like this. Mm. Um, I, I, I think this is probably a better step for him in terms of trip and, and, and his progression as well. You know, it's a mile. He looked, he looked to stay when he won the race at Haydock. It took him quite a while to get himself organised and to get into top gear. And so uh, I'm, I'm with him. Sorry, it was the Royal Lodge. He was, he was, in, he was in last week, wasn't he, and pulled out. So, yeah, I, I, given that fact I fancied him for that, then I, I, I ought to fancy him for this, which is probably an easier spot. So, yes, I'll stick with him. OK, sticking with Kadar, let's uh, get the votes of Don yeah. and Derma. I'm, I'm imagining you're both in that camp. Yeah, I'm the Kadar camp. Uh, I mean, even the third and fifth from the race of Haydock have come out in one since. So, yeah, I'm definitely on Team Kadar, Dean. Yeah, it's 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 very difficult to equate the Persian King form with the British form, isn't it? Yes. Uh, like he looks very good. Apparently, sectional times are very good. Um, it's very untested form as well. When you try yeah. and go through it, there, there, there's not a lot of horses have come out in the meantime. I've actually, I've actually run since. Yeah. Um, but he's he's won he's won his last two races very well. Six and five four times. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, both over a mile. Magna Grecia again very impressive in winning his debut on, on, on his, his only run so far at Nace that, that day as well so that's you know it's going to be interesting to see how he goes um, and look I just find a lot of, as I said before these juvenile races I, I find them very very good and very obviously informative but to try and equate form especially with the, with French and Irish and British in there now uh, and trying to figure out how the odds compare with relative chances I just find it hard I mean I find it hard in handicaps as well <laughs> but I find it even harder to do it on races so yeah uh, I, I'm I'm dying for this race. I'm dying to see how it plays out, but I won't be having a bet in it. Okay, okay. That's the autumn stakes, and then of course it is Dewhurst Day. Uh, the Group One, the Darley Dewhurst Stakes, goes to post at three o'clock. Unfortunately, we're not going to see ten sovereigns uh, coming here. That one's done for the season. Our coordinator Brian, they've resisted uh, the the possibility of going in here at seven finals against John Gosden and Frankie Dettori with too darn hot, but it's not perhaps just about too darn hot now the Dewhurst or maybe you guys will tell me it is we've got Sangarius here who's unbeaten for Sir Michael Stout uh, Anthony Van Dyke is going to represent Aidan O'Brien as one of three of his runners and Martin Mead he probably would be pretty confident Advertise can shake them up here Nick I might go to you first on the Dewhurst well there's no doubt Martin Mead will be confident but Advertise <laughs> will have to be as good as, as good as Martin Mead's confidence to yes. win um, I, I think the, the, the horse that's too big a price is Anthony Van Dyke <laughs> Um, on, on the basis that I think if Corto was in here he, he ought to be favourite he probably wouldn't be but he ought to be favourite and I think Anthony Van Dyke's got some really strong form I think that's a really really strong race that he comes out of last time um, and I, I was really impressed with the way he dug in in truth he's probably going to want a little bit further he may not have that dash of brilliance that Sudan Hot has exhibited and you could argue Sangaria showed at Donson the last time but we know he's a group one performer we know he's going to see this out well we know he's going to hit the line strongly we know his yard is in good form with their two year olds particularly so I think at five to one with group one form in the book he's too big Is Anthony Van Dyke the, the value play for you here Don? 
I fully agree with everything Nick Luck just said. Very good. Uh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Hold the front page. <laughs> not, yeah, not that it had to in any way, Nick, but I just, I just do. That's just the way it happens. Um, yeah, like he's he's a big price and look, too darn hot. He's three for three. He's been impressive. He's been very impressive. Uh, and I, I thought he did well in the Champagne Stakes last time. He, he kind of, it was a strange race. They were spread out a wee bit over the track and he just... He had he was in in, in clear in clear daylight for quite a while, but he picked up well and he went away and won his race well. But like that that the the, the quarter to Anthony Van Dyke race that was a hell of a race. It all like the the, the, the national stakes, the Vincent O'Brien Goffs national stakes. It's, yeah. it's always a strong race. It, the, the race between those two was box office this year as juveniles go, and they finished about they finished about five lengths clear of Mohawk, who then came out next time and um, won the Royal Lodge. Again, impressively. So that mm. that form has been solidified. It looked good at the time. It looks even better now with Mohawk coming out and doing that. And they they you know they pulled nicely clear of him. Um, the fact that Aiden is not running ten sovereigns and I'd look maybe it was just too quick anyway. But Anthony Van Dyke has been his two horse horse since then since the National Stakes. It's normally the National Stakes Bally Doyle horse that goes on to the two horse. Um, and Anthony Van Dyke like if he hadn't been beaten by Corto if Corto hadn't been in the race. He'd probably be favourite, or at least challenging too darn hot for favouritism for this. It's a very and, good and point. We don't know how good Corto is. He could be very, very, very good. Look, Sangarius is interesting as well. He, he was impressive the last time at Doncaster, but as Nick says, Anthony Van Dyke has he's got Group One form in the book, and I think he sets the standard that the others have to reach. Okay. He, he's even. I think he's the highest rated on on official ratings as well. He's, he's rated higher than too darn hot. Now that doesn't allow for the potential for more improvement that too darn hot has, but Anthony Van Dyke has potential for improvement as well. And yeah, I, I think he should be an awful lot closer in the bet into two down hot than he is okay that's two up so far for Anthony Van Dyke Dem are you going to join the party uh, not quite I can see oh. the point I mean that is that is for me the best juvenile race of the season but I, I just thought Advertise is a fairly decent price now okay. you know you'd like to hear Martin Mead say that he won't be beaten again but um, just like gave weight and a beating is so perfect we're in an absolutely huge race behind Fairyland again this is all grade one group one form and um I, I kind of wouldn't understand the price of Sangarius being shorter than either of these because whilst again he was aesthetically pleasing last time those two maidens he's won or the maiden and the race after he's won aren't all that strong and um, once again he was pleasing to look at it's, it's two wins from both of those races since so it's just not the strongest race so advertise Dean I just think has been um, a small bit overlooked in the market taking a chance um, with Martin Mead's advertise and uh, yeah it would be nice to hear him say it won't get being fantastic when trainers do that you don't hear it very often but of course no. Martin Mead is a very confident man with his horses um, so advertising at 15 to 2 uh, too darn hot is she even money favourite I think you're in a position here where if, is if the market hadn't reacted to a defeat for Anthony Van Dyke as Don says probably would be coming in here as, as favourite for the race and then you might be tempted to back too darn hot with improvement to come and be a better price but the market did takes everything here 9 to 2 5 to 1 for Anthony Van Dyke does look big for that Darley Dewhurst stakes that goes to post at 3 o'clock uh, we're treated to an absolute minefield and I bigged it up as perhaps the biggest race of the Saturday at Newmarket it will be for some people certainly as a punting contest uh, it's it's one that we have to take very seriously uh, Dem I'm going to throw you to the walls first for the um, Cesarich stakes course at 3.40 um, good luck with it and uh, off you go yeah so there's uh, two I like in this Uradel at 14 to 1 and uh, here and now at uh, at 20 to 1 uh, big fan of Uradel first of all and I hope people don't undervalue actually how good a performance that was in the amateur derby at uh, at Galway mm. um, like when you look at the form in behind you've got 
Limini obviously in second has franked that form on the flat since Bedrock was back in eight that horse has come out and won really impressively over hurdles again that race probably fell apart but as well as that just when you simp- when you go through it the uh, Brazos has since come out and won a premier handicap at Killarney it's it's proper form it's really really good form uh, he beat exchange rate that day Brazos did who's the favourite for the Irish equivalent so what Yordel did that day coming in a massive field that was a really good performance and last time there is he was not he was far from disgraced in a race won by Astronomer who is uh, much stronger than that grade Astronomer will kick on uh, I think Don said a few weeks ago he thought he could be the the Gold Cup horse for for yeah, the future potentially and um, also in that race was the Mouse Doctor in second he just clearly needed further that day uh, once the race was up they kind of didn't push him around the place and a 14 to 1 he's got a good draw very good big field experience and Billy Lee in his back he'd be absolutely fine and the other one I like is here and now who simply couldn't have been more impressive two runs ago in that handicap at York absolutely hammered him is really well bred for something like this um, and last time at Chester he far from disgraced himself he was a length back and forth and when you actually look at that run that what happened to him is he got Chestered you know he fell behind the Chester and once that happens your 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 race is over um, he tried all he could he just couldn't quite land a, a blow on Giretto he's only £9 hard, higher than that win for York but that was a £12-£13 performance um, and I just think Dean that his day in the sun could be coming so him and Uridel at likely Osley OK two darts for Demo with here and now and uh, Uridel uh, Nick how many darts do you need to tackle a race like this and uh, I'll let you take as many as you want about 28 I would think OK 28 <laughs> and, I might, and, I, and I might still not get it um, no I mean listen yeah, I, I agree with everything Dermot said about um, here and now who I, who I thought I've got a massive soft spot for and yeah the pedigree's good and he, he's got lots of potential beyond his current mark I, mean, I think the most fascinating runner in the race, so I can't really see him winning his stars over the sea. I mean, yeah. that's got to be one of the most freakish performances I've ever seen in the trial for this. Whether the other jockeys were at fault or not, it was remarkable. And you could make a case that eight pounds isn't going to stop him, given given some of his Irish platform. So he's certainly an interesting runner. Whether I, uh, or not, I think he's the most compelling betting proposition. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Clayon, I thought, was interesting for Andrew Balding, who sort of made his name when he first started training with a 1-2 in this race. And I thought that was a significantly improved performance in the Shergar Cup at Ascot. And I thought it was a significant enough step up to make me think he's reasonably well handicapped at the open mark of 95. And they've managed to make sure Asheen Murphy can, can ride him, which is a, another huge plus. And uh, I think he can go quite well from a reasonable draw in seven. Okay, Cleonta's there, and it, the interesting runner there for Andrew Balding, Oshin Murphy, ride that around fourteen to one, number fifteen, of course, in the big Cesarovich. Uh, I'll give you my two really wild cards for this contest after uh, we hear from Don McLean, and hopefully, Don, you've got something uh, interesting in the Cesarovich for us. No, no nothing too strong. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of the none of the ten thoughts that I have are that strong. Okay, um, ten thoughts. Look, for, in, in no particular order. I think, as Nick said. Stars over the sea is remarkable. I mean, he's that run. I actually I didn't see it live. I heard about it and then I saw the recording of it, and it's like it wasn't as if they stood still either. Like they they broke and they they looked to go the a, a racing pace over two and a quarter miles, and um, Pat Cosgrave just allowed Stars over the sea stride away, and he went clear, and uh, you know it was a, a bizarre race that was over before they got to the six furlong pole. Um, and you know if you trust that run 
Like he, the, the handicapper raised him eight pounds. He's got a four pounds penalty, so he's four pounds well in from that run. He's, he's, he's obviously a better horse on the flat than he is over uh, is a national hunt horse so yeah um, you know like, he's a he's a I don't know he's a horse that you might have to keep on side he's a 20 to 1 shot you might have to keep him on side whatever you're doing um, I think look the Willie Mullins horses are obviously very interesting stratum you know that, that the run in the Ebor yeah put a line through that he was travelling like a likely winner he, we don't know if he'd have won or not but he was travelling very very well when he got so badly hampered so you give him another chance and he's off the same mark and he was 3-1 to one favourite for the Ebor so it's understandable yeah. that he's favourite um, Limini very interesting Low Sun very interesting uh, Southern France uh, for Maiden O'Brien's yard also like he's, he brings St. Ledger form into the race it was a good St. Ledger we think uh, Kew Garden was a good winner Latidar is a very talented filly finished second and he finished third behind him mm. so going into a handicap albeit off a mark 107 is a three year old in a Sarovic but you know you can you can on, on one side statistically only one three year old has won it in the last 10 years Darley Sun but I think only 10 or 12 have run not, mm. not very many three-year-olds tend to run. I mean, they wouldn't get into it because they, I think they get a ten pounds weight allowance, don't yeah. they? They get ten pounds, so you need to be a highly rated three-year-old to get into the race. Uh, but he is, and he's a classy horse, and he's progressed all year. And you know, they they, they were talking, or maybe <laughs> it was just me who was talking about him as a potential cup horse for next year. And if he is, then uh, he's going to be have to be better than a hundred and seven rated horse. And if he is better than a hundred and seven rated horse, then that gives him a massive chance in a Cesare, which yes, um, I agree with Dermot and Uradel, possibly an underrated horse and Billy Lee is a top top rider as we saw once again at Royal Ascot this year yeah um, Vis-a-vis is interesting as well uh, Like his, he's, he's actually better off with just in time for beating him and he's, he's significantly better off he's he's, uh, he's fifth, I think he's raced he's, he was raised 7 pounds just in time has run twice since he got beaten by him at Kempton so, and he's up 15 pounds mm-hmm. um, he did well to win at Doncaster last time the Mallard handicap he, he battled on well and he just got home but uh, he got to the front and he seemed to be just doing enough so that was a good run by just in time and as I said there are no <laughs> there are no particular order <laughs> uh, and in that race as well Speedo Boy was a wee bit unlucky in behind yeah. uh, and he you know he's, he's, a, he's a 33 to 1 shot Ian Williams trains him as well uh, and he he just kind of got stopped in his run and he might have even gotten close to winning it he's only beaten two lengths in the end he finished fifth so he might be a wee bit under the radar although he's drawn 32 which is like it used to be the case you couldn't win the Cesarovich from a high draw even though there's only one one turn in the race but never can tell she, she won it in, in, in 2011 with from stall 30 something and even the last two winners have been drawn in the 20 so maybe a high draw isn't the it's probably a negative but maybe not as big a negative as, as we thought it was yeah um, in summary then <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm waiting for the gem yeah, here there, there's, there's no gem Dean uh, okay. really sorry to disappoint you I, like the, I have a hundred thoughts on the race um, I am interested in southern France but he's short enough at around 10 or 12 to 1 and like the the nothing but Willie Mullins horses he, he always seems to get jockeys like real the, the best like he's got Pierre Charles Boudoir coming over to ride Limini which is kind of strange like, yeah. like he's a, obviously a, probably not very well known here but top top rider mm-hmm. um, and in the, in the Doncaster Cup he had three runners and they were ridden by Ryan Moore Frankie Latore and Andrea Atzeni I think and you yeah. know, he, he always, he's a national hunt trainer we, we thought but he always seems to get the, 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 the top flat guys to ride his horses and obviously Robert Winston rides Stratum for, for Tony Bloom so that, that yeah. connection is, 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 is obviously there so that's you know and he's his ride and he, and he rides him well so um I, I think Southern France is uh, I, I think he's I, I I think maybe he should be a bit shorter than he is but mm-hmm. you know to attend a one shot in a 30 odd runner race that's 
you know that's that's not a he's not a massive price but um i i think of the shorter ones maybe southern france and of, of the longer ones then maybe speedo boy okay so two darts for you two darts for demo don's liked a couple of them sorry nick's liked a couple of them and gone for cleante i've got two absolute wild cards to throw at this scotland who's left andrew boarding and gone over to john joe o'neill is in here who I still think there's something in this horse. He's a, obviously he's got to run off a big range. He's, he's top way here. Shane Cross will take off seven pounds. It's fifty to one. I can see Scotland outrunning those odds. And the other one was the one that was second in that really remarkable trial uh, win by Stars over the sea. That was Golden Spear. And with Tony Martin's horses, maybe perhaps running a little bit better. This horse has got form in the race previously. Runs off the same mark. Um, second two Stars over the sea in the in that trial race. I thought around 20 to 1 with John Egan aboard. That one could outrun from what looks a friendly enough draw in eight. So I might throw Golden Spear in there as the as the live shot. We're going to get naps for the weekend, please. Uh, gents, Don, I'll come to you first for your nap of the weekend. Yeah, I, I think we'll go with Anthony Van Dyke, Dean, in the Dewhurst. Um, okay. I just think he should be shorter than he is, and um, that's what you're looking for all the time yeah. in betting. I, I like, should he? Can he beat Two Darn Hot? Yes, he can. Um, should he be favourite in front of him? Probably not, but should he be closer than he is? I think definitely he should mm-hmm. be a lot closer than he is. And uh, look, it's a good race. It's it's a Dewhurst, but I think he's got a lot of the credentials that you look for in a Dewhurst winner. Okay. Demo. Uh mine my nap of the weekend actually isn't in a race we covered. It's at uh, Chepstow on Saturday and it is River Frost. Uh now six years old, was fifth in the same race last year, but first was Court Minstrel and second was Sam Spinner. So I think we can forgive him. Uh not finishing closer to them, but he's six years old now, so he will be bigger and bolder than he was last season. Um kind of didn't land a blow an awful an awful lot but there's an awful lot of um, of potential in this horse and uh, Barry Garrett has been booked being jocked up already he'll ride again for Alan King and I think uh He'll go very close to him. Of course, there is a good bit of jumps racing on this weekend. Bit of action at Chepstow with the Persian War and uh, the Silver Trophy, which is where your horse is going there, Dermo. And of course, the Munster National uh, takes place where uh, Alpha de Zobo will run. <laughs> Again, I'm just harking back to previous uh, versions of the race hour where you might hear that I only yeah, ever talk about Persian War on Sunday as well, isn't it? Persian War, exactly. Um, so looking forward to a bit of that coming back. It won't be long until the race hour will be dominated uh, by jumps racing. Uh, Nick Luck's nap is next. And we are going to go to Newmarket for the nap and we are going to make it in the Oso Sharp Stakes. The nap of the weekend is Race Beckett's Glance. It should be quite a nice price. Okay, so we've got the naps in. Mine actually goes in that 410 uh, on Friday at Newmarket. I mentioned it a little bit earlier on. Breath Court, I think, is going to run a big race in that big Heritage Class 2 handicap on Friday at 410. So that'll be Breath Court for me. Uh, lads, thank you very much for another very fascinating edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at BetBright. We've been lucky enough to have Nick Luck, Demon Nolan and Don McLean. Thank you very much. Oh,